Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hello and welcome once more to Country Roads Confidential. I am your host, Chris Anderson, publisher of Your Sports, the West Virginia site on the 247sports.com network. We are inching closer to basketball season, but before we get there, Neil Brown's Mountaineers still have three games left. Uh, a slight hope of bowl eligibility, although obviously need to win out against a couple tough teams before they can get there. And that begins with Kansas State this Saturday. And to learn more about the Wildcats, I went over to GoPowerCat.com and brought in Tim. He is going to help us. He's going to help us here. We need to <laughs> learn. He's going to fill us in on what's going on in Manhattan to get us ready for this trip, to get the Mountaineers ready for a Kansas State program that, quite frankly, I, I believe was picked eighth in the preseason. Is that, is that right? Ninth? And, yeah, and, and um, you know, I and for those who have listened, I, I think I had West Virginia going five and seven this year, and I had almost in Sharpie a win for West Virginia this week, and here we are, just can't say it looks great. So let's start there. Um, your pre your preseason. First off, Tim, how you doing? I, I'm, I'm good. That part. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Um, it. Your preseason expectations to where Kansas State is right now, how far – what's the difference here? Where, what were you thinking, and, and what have you seen? Well, ironically, I had this game in Sharpie for K-State. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, one of us is right, and it ain't me, exactly. so there you go. <laughs> well, it might be. You just never know in this conference. you got to go play every game, and, and uh, as K-State proved against Oklahoma, nobody's safe. So, you know, it's – I had K-State at six and six, and that might have been a tad optimistic. Five and seven might have been a little bit more realistic because I don't think we expected a win at Mississippi State. Now, maybe the Bulldogs aren't as good as anyone else expected. But, you know, you kind of thought going into SEC country with a brand-new football coach against a team that uh, whooped butt in Manhattan last year when the two teams played, you probably had that down as a loss. And they got that win. Then they started the conference off with two uh, really bad losses. I mean, they got dominated by Oklahoma State and Baylor. Now we know that Baylor is a pretty good football team. And then everything kind of turned around. Uh, they they found a way to beat TCU. I think TCU was the better team on that day in Manhattan, but uh, K-State made enough plays, and that's just how it goes sometimes. They, they take off that. They beat Oklahoma. They romp. They roll over KU. It was not a, as close as the score might indicate either. They go down to Texas with a lot of hopes and and unfortunately, in a kind of a strange game, Texas ended up having the ball at the end and making the final play, and that's how that one was decided. So, in all honesty, at six and three, K State might be ahead of schedule a little bit, but um, I don't think any of us really have a firm grasp on what this team is, even nine games into the season. Well, part of the reason I think I had them, a lot of people had them near the bottom of the conference, and and a lot of the teams near the bottom of the conference. Uh, was a new coaching staff. 
all four, I believe all four teams with new coaches were picked to finish in the bottom four slots in the league. Uh, three of them are there, but Kansas State is not. So what is, what's been different there at Kansas State? Why is, why is that situation different? Is, does a lot of this credit go to Chris Kleiman or was he set up for more success than I think maybe people gave him credit for? Yeah, you know, it really came down to Chris Kleiman and Neil Brown, and there was a strong push for Neil Brown in Manhattan. And I think the deciding factor really was kind of cultural fit and system fit and, you know, who could hit the ground running. And it might have the most longevity at Kansas State. And to be blunt, I think there was a fear if you hired Neil Brown when a good uh, job south of the Mason-Dixon opened up, he'd be gone. Uh, Chris Kleiman seems to be here for a prolonged run. He, he you know, this uh, it's his AD from North Dakota State that hired him at Kansas State, so there's a real good fit there. Mostly, though, for X's and O's, it's it's about the team that he inherited. And while the talent pool is way down within from what you need in the Big 12 Conference to compete, they have depth issues. Uh, they don't have enough guys, so to speak. The cultural fit between what Bill Snyder demanded from his team and what Chris Kleiman does was really good. They go about it in entirely different ways, but both programs are based on being physical at the point of attack and running the ball and establishing the run. And while the offenses might look a little bit similar, they're really not. But how do they how they get there by establishing a run and trying to beat you at the point of attack is is really uh, very common. So there wasn't a big cultural change. He inherited all the pieces he needed to put this program together, except for the fact, astonishingly enough, due to injury and, and Alex Barnes going to the NFL early, which turned out to be a mistake because he's at, not even in the league. K-State had no scholarship running backs on the roster when Chris Kleiman arrived. So that was a rebuild in that spot. But other than that, he had what he needed. He had a good quarterback in Skyler Thompson. Uh, someone that uh, was comfortable with the system coming in because North Dakota State was actually his first offer. So we already had a relationship with Chris Kleiman and a familiarity with what they do. Uh, So it's just all kind of fit in. And once he arrived, there was some reluctance about the hire. And once he arrived, people kind of fell in love with him and how he approaches things. And, uh, you know, it's kind of counter to what Bill Snyder did. Very public, very honest, very open, very, uh, you know, a lot of social media. So it's it's been a breath of fresh air for the team and the fans. That's funny you mentioned that. I, I was just talking to Mike, who works with me over at Air Sports, about Neil Brown being similar in that regard, in that uh, very social media-oriented, this program, uh, now that he's there and his staff is there. And when we have our media, weekly media, they're extremely open about injuries and whatnot. And just wondering if this is a first-year head coach thing and, after a while, they all might kind of slow down on that front and be a little more guarded. We'll see. Um, Skylar Thompson, uh, let's start there. Uh, obviously, he was a starter last year. Uh, I don't know. I, I think he was kind of a, a decent dual threat option there, above average, certainly, I, at least in, from an outsider's perspective. Kind of looking like he's taking a leap this year, uh, already statistically where he was last year, but still obviously has three games left. and. What's the perspective of him in Manhattan? Well, you know, it's he had a really strange situation last year. It was a strange situation at the quarterback spot last year with him and Alex Delton, who ended up at TCU and now split down there. Uh, they were basically co-number ones, and that never works. And Bill Snyder 
thought he could make it work, and it really was mismanaged, and both quarterbacks hated it, and both quarterbacks were leaving until the hire was made, and, and Skyler decided to stay at Kansas State. Uh, he is a throwing quarterback who's capable of running. Bill Snyder was using him like Colin Klein, which means as a battering ram, and that's really not his style, even though he's a physical runner. Um, he, he doesn't play through the injury quite the way Colin did. Colin could have an arm hanging off and he'd still throw the ball somehow. Um, and that just didn't work mentally or physically for Skyler. So the new staff comes in. North Dakota State was running the quarterback. If you look at Easton Stick and, uh, you know, predecessors up there, they like to run the quarterback. And uh, they kind of told Skyler, we're going to back off that to save your body and get you through the season because they really need to have him get through the season. And they backed off two months. So if you go back and look at those first two Big 12 games, he didn't run the ball really any of note. There weren't really many uh, designed running plays for the quarterback. And there wasn't through three quarters of the TCU game, and then they called a draw from their own five, and he ran 60 yards right up the middle of the field. It looked like Forrest Gump taking off from his house. Um, and just This was untouched. And, and ever since then, they've sprinkled in the run quite a bit. Uh, Texas did a great job of taking it away. Uh, but oddly enough, after all this, uh, the real key to get this K-State offense going is having a viable quarterback run ability. Uh, and, you know, that with, uh, you know, if the offensive line can control the point of attack, which they weren't able to do at Texas, and then the running backs can, can also get their job done. It's really been effective. Then it opens up the pass and everything falls into play. Uh, so, uh, awesome. Honestly, if K-State comes out and runs the ball and it is controlling that line of scrimmage, they're probably going to win. It's been that predictable for Kansas State. If they control the point of attack offensively and are doing you know, a decent job on defense, the Wildcats will find a way to win because that's their game. They'll get you into the fourth quarter. They'll dominate time of possession. And by the time the fourth quarter rolls around, Skyler Thompson and that offense can just kind of operate at will and, and your defense is worn out. Well, that's bad news for a West Virginia team that's young and not very deep on defense. And over the last few games, they've done pretty well stopping the run. Um, last couple of losses, they've held the opposing teams to 2.4 yards per rush in the first half. Second half, that number gets up to four, and the score kind of just gets out of hand. So yeah, that's not great news for West Virginia. If Kansas State's going to be pounding like that. But who's going to be – pounding the rock with Skylar Thompson. I know we spoke a little bit before we got on the air here. Running back is a question mark. Yeah, they brought in two senior grad transfers to immediately supplement the position. As I mentioned, they didn't have any scholarship running backs um, on on the roster. It's, it was a real mess. They had a walk-on from Louisville. He, he's actually a Kansas kid, walked on at Louisville, came back, transferred back, and then sat out last season as a transfer. His name is Harry Trotter, but the jokes ensue. Um, he he ended up earning a scholarship, and he's the number three guy. Really not a bad running back. James Gilbert's been the number one guy from the jump. He's a Ball State transfer, had three great seasons in the MAC, and wanted to play up a level. He's been really good, but right now he's got a bad ankle, a bad wheel, and he sat out the last two games. We thought he was going to play at Texas. We were told he was going to play at Texas, and then uh, he didn't even make the trip. So I think maybe that was a little uh, Bill Snyder-ish, you know, <laughs> fake out there by Chris Kleiman. Jordan Brown, a North Carolina transfer, is more of a, you know, a 
a versatile back. He's a faster. He can catch the ball out of the backfield, but he's not as uh, punishing a runner as maybe Gilbert is. Uh, he, too, has a bad ankle. Took two snaps at Kansas, couldn't really play, uh, and took a few more at Texas, but wasn't very effective. They really need those guys back to, to unleash their running game as they want to. They're, the actual core of this running game uh, that they haven't been able to develop all the way because uh, they kind of did it with their three guys, and now two of them have been gimped up, is an inverted wishbone. They, they put two guys, Flink and Skylar Thompson, in the shotgun, and someone behind them, and they really come at you from all different angles and can run a bunch of stuff out of it. They used it against Oklahoma to great effect when all three guys were healthy. And since then, they haven't been healthy. So, you know, the idea is to get those guys back. They might be back for this week. We don't know. And uh, we'll see if K-State uses it against West Virginia or, honestly, if they need to use it against West Virginia or if they go ahead and save it for, uh, you know, the road game at Tech that awaits. And then uh, they come home and close with Iowa State, which will be a tough game also. Well, a hot topic here in Morgantown this week has been the connection with new linebackers coach for this year. Blake Seiler, obviously he spent a lot of time at Kansas State under Bill Snyder, left this offseason for the job at WVU. What can you tell us uh, just a little bit about him, what his role was there and, and how he did and, and how he's viewed there in Manhattan? Loved, great dude. Everyone loves him. And nobody really blames him for the decision he made. You know, sometimes you got to leave the house uh, to kind of grow up, and he'd been, you know, in the K-State family basically since he got into coaching for the most part. And, uh, you know, he worked his way up through the ranks, and he was the defensive coordinator last season and Bill Sanders last year. They had new coordinators last year, and it didn't really work out. Both guys were young and made mistakes. Blake's defense was actually improved from the years before, so there's some real substance to him. And he, you know, he's a former defensive end, and he moved back to the linebackers where, you know, he was very clear about it. If you want to be a coordinator, you need to be a linebacker coach. Well, Scotty Hazleton was hired here at Kansas State, and he's a linebacker coach. And so they, they moved Siler back to defensive end and down from defensive coordinator. And I just think he felt like maybe this is a good time to break with a new staff. Uh, you can sit here and argue about whether it was a good decision or not, but it's his decision to make. And he went to a great program with a, another new staff where he gets a fresh start and close to home for his wife, which is really important. So, um, you know, I, I, everyone here just loves the heck out of the guy. He is as good of a human being as you'll ever meet, and he's a great hire for that staff. And, of course, uh, Coach Coning and him go back, and, you know, he coached under him when he was at K-State for one year. So now we get to Saturday. Um, I think – Kansas State, a double-digit favorite at the moment. Uh, we've gone over a couple of things that Kansas State is extremely good at. Uh, tough red zone defense. Uh, they get time of possession. They run the ball well. Uh, they're very good on special teams. Where are Where's a weakness that you feel like West Virginia might be able to exploit to, to pull the upset on Saturday? Well, they, they're probably going to duplicate the script that Texas used which means they're going to run blitz a lot. And once K-State got out to a 14-0 lead, Texas just started bringing the house on every snap and really risking and, and trying to entice you know, Thompson to throw the ball. He was effective at times, but uh, you know, honestly, I'm not sure many teams in this league or the nation can replicate the kind of athletic talent that Texas was throwing 
just, you know, it was wild abandon at K-State. Uh, they, they were virtually unblockable at some times because there was more bodies than blockers, but just the you know, sheer fact that the athletes were so good for Texas, it was already a problem. I imagine they'll try that, uh, you know, and try to get to the quarterback, try to cause some turnovers. You've got to stop Kansas State's running game. You can't let that offensive line start bullying your front seven. And if that happens, you're in big trouble. So that's job number one. Job number two would be to find a weakness in this K-State defense. You will move the ball. You will rack up yards. If you look at those stats, they are not impressive for K-State. What is overwhelming is they're one of the best teams in the country against third downs. They don't let you convert. If they get you into third and long, there's a high probability you're going to punt. Um, and their best cornerback got injured the week before against Kansas, and they're now playing without A.J. Parker, their top cover guy. So there might be an opportunity to throw the ball downfield. It's interesting, teams, we talked about this in our podcast that went up this morning. Teams have not challenged Kansas State down the field very much, and I think that's a compliment to Wyatt Hubert, the rush defensive end in the front seven. You know, Trey Deshaun at nose tackle. They get raw pressure on you, sometimes with four guys. Now, they haven't consistently gotten sacks, but they do make you uncomfortable and they will hit you. Uh, so that's kind of where they sit. They don't have to run a lot of stuff to get a quarterback out of their comfort zone, and uh, that's really been effective for K-State. Well, Tim, I think that wraps it up for today. Pretty quick podcast. It is Friday morning, so we got to get ready for the weekend, get ready for this game in Manhattan. Uh, can you tell our listeners where to find your stuff? Yeah, I mean, we're just the 24-7 site. You know, it's gopowercat.com. You can head over to the uh, Just Change West Virginia and you're headed to Kansas State, and off you go. And we have a lot of coverage of this game coming up, and we too are fighting with basketball season and signing day and all those things. So stuff's moving pretty quickly. Uh, we've got, if you've got some time in your hands, we've got a pretty cool thing going at our site right now. We do a thing called the Power Chat, and a former Kansas State offensive lineman, Nick Lucky, who has a Super Bowl ring with the Saints. Uh, sits down on our couch, and it's two half-hour interviews, the second half of which goes up on Thursday. So it should be uh, – it's kind of fun to just listen to a former NFL guy talk about his life. It's got some time to kill. Yeah, you guys should definitely get over there and check that out. I, I thought Mike and I were content machines, uh, seven or eight uh, stories a day. Mm-hmm. I just strolled over to uh, Go Powercat and what is that, four, ten, twelve stories, and uh, we're still not even more than a day. 24 hours from now. So, geez, that is a lot of stuff to take in. Yeah, a lot of good content over there. Yeah, we're doing about 12 a day. Um, and, you know, that's there's even a basketball game tonight, Wednesday night here in Manhattan. So it's just an overflow of content. So it's it's kind of nutty. I almost feel sorry for our subscribers sometimes because we just <laughs> kind of throw walls of content at them. But we have a good time doing it. Well, great. I appreciate you coming on. I know you'll have great coverage of, of the game this weekend, as will we over at earsports.com. So everybody be sure to check out both sites. Uh, listen in on Friday morning to this. Go over to Go Powercat as well. I'll be joining Tim in just a little while. And uh, we'll come back with some more post-game stuff as well with, with me and Mike over at earsports.com. Once again, thanks for listening. I'm Chris Anderson. Talk to you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.